My name is Todd Adams. And this is Kathy Adams. Welcome back, Zen Parenting Radio, brought to you by Helping Hands Maid Services. The owner of the company, her name is Gosha, mm-hmm. and it's her birthday today. It is. We're taping this on a Sunday, even though it's going up on a Tuesday. It's not Sunday, it's Saturday. It is Saturday. Nice. I know. I love Saturdays. I know, it's a good day. The reason it feels like a Sunday is because you're leaving. What do you mean I'm leaving? You're going on an overnight. Yes. And, and I feel like I'm on. So I'm kind of like, you so know. So Sundays, you feel like you're on more well, than Well, it's you're just, you know, Saturday. it's not as much fun when you're when you're not around. Oh, that's nice. So anyways, Helping Hands Maid Services. It's your birthday, or her birthday. Happy birthday, Gosha. Happy birthday. Uh, they do maid services all over Chicagoland area. Yes. And they're really good at it because we know that. Why? We Because we have them come and they do a beautiful, fantastic job. 630-530-1324. 630-530-1324. One call does it all, sweetie. And life is too short to clean your home. Helpinghandsmaidservices.com. So you want to talk about Martha Beck and I'm going to talk about... Uh, not, you know, not really about Martha Beck. I want to oh. talk about something I heard in her book, but I want to make it broader. Okay. You want to... You want to broaden the discussion. Yes. It's but, about love. But I'm going to say that we're going to talk about 123 Magic and that other thing that I, I didn't know. Well, actually, I don't think we're going <laughs> to... I feel like I'm like telling you no to all this. We're not going to talk about those books so much as we're oh, going to talk, talk about the about definition it. of what a little adult is. No, I'm going to talk about those okay, books. Okay, you go ahead and talk about those books. That good. sounds good. Glad we're both on the same page. Okay, glad we're completely on the same page while we start this show. That's right. Preparation, okay. preparing to fail. Well, a lot of times, failing to prepare is preparing to fail. But see, the 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 magic of the show One, is two, I'll three say magic. I want to talk about this, and you'll say, "Don't tell me, save it for yeah. the show." So that's it is part of the plan to be spontaneous. Yeah, I'm all about mistakes. Okay, well, is it a mistake or is it just spontaneity? It's a mistaken spontaneity. It's spontaneous <laughs> mistake. Okay. Anyway. So you're reading a book. So I was reading some... Uh, no, no. You know what I want to talk about? My retreat first. Oh, okay. Okay. So on February 18th, I'm offering a virtual retreat called Peace in the Home. If you happen to have a child who seems to... You're sorry. pointing your finger right at me. <laughs> sorry. I'm no, I'm pointing it because I'm talking. It's like okay. I'm talking to an audience. You are Italian. I am. They Italians can't like see to talk me, with their hands. But I talk with my hands. So what I was going to say was if you happen to have a child who seems to be somewhat anxious, maybe about anxious going to school or anxious about what peers think, or they just are anxious. You know, they have a hard time going to bed. They, you, you know that they carry some fear. Then this is what this retreat is about. Um, it's about helping your child and supporting your child um, and giving them tools to deal with whatever anxiety they carry. Now, part of it also is you may have some of your own anxiety about their anxiety, right? So some are the tools. One feeds into the other. They, they're connected. So some of the tools are to help you as well because it's a family, you know, it's a family dynamic thing. Um, but the great thing about the retreat is it's virtual, which means geog- geography isn't an issue. So if you're not in Chicagoland where we, where we live, that's not a problem because it's all done via email. So just go to my website, kathycadams.com, and that's with a C, kathycadams.com, and it's right on my homepage. You just click on it. You can read about it. You can register online, pay online. It's super easy, and it's a five-day virtual retreat starting February 18th, and I did one of these retreats in December, and it was quite effective. So I think if, you know, if you're looking for new tools or just a discussion around anxiety, it will be helpful. Easy peasy Japanesey. That's right. That's from uh, Shawshank. I remember. But Skyler says easy peasy lemon squeezy. That one works too. Where'd she get that one I from? I have no idea, but they both rhyme. 
Yes. Um, all right. So what, what are we doing here? So I wanted to talk about two different ways to look at love. Okay? okay. And this is from a Martha Beck book called Steering by Starlight. And anyone who, there's probably some of you who have read her book. Martha Beck is also a writer for Oprah Magazine. She's a life coach. Um, she's been out there for a long time and she writes in very... Um, Easy to follow, matter of fact language. Sounds right up my alley. Yeah, you would like her. I, I told you you would like this book. I don't I'm, like big words. I know. Um, I'm aware. And she is. Uh, she's good at making things practical. Mm-hmm. And you are a practical guy. Very much so. And one of the things she was talking about. And this was actually a small part of the book, but it really I latched onto it. Um, was the difference between real love. And spider love. Okay. okay. Real love sounds good. Spider love sounds a little scary. Okay. Well, spider love, if I can do my best to explain it in my own words, is the idea of like holding tight to someone and controlling them by the way you talk to them and the way you feel. So, because they, she calls it spider love because what spiders do is they'll find a fly, right? Mm-hmm. And they'll wrap up the fly mm-hmm. and they'll keep it for themselves. Mm-hmm. And the way that they feed themselves is on that fly. Yeah. So think about this. A lot of people get into relationships and the way that they feed themselves emotionally is from that person. They need things from that person. You have to give me things. Yes. You have to make me feel good. You have to Would feed me. Would you maybe me. say it's a one-way street or maybe Just, to you know to exaggerate the point a little bit, yeah. it's more one from one person to the other. And I think it's that notion that is someone is not feeding themselves love, mm-hmm. so they believe that somebody else should be making them feel good. Mm-hmm. And and I hear this all the time from people. They'll be like, "Well, he made me feel this way, and he shouldn't make me feel that way." Or my children did this, and they shouldn't make me feel bad. Or okay. they, there's a lot of. Um, the there are emotions of course our emotions are tied up in other people but to the idea that somebody else should feed you and make you feel good all the time is a spidery kind of love okay the the opposite do you have any personal examples you want to share yes i actually do because what's interesting is spider love is not just negative meaning sometimes we can do something like why i really connected to it is i used to be a big people pleaser and i and i still have it in me i can't say it's completely out of my system but i'm just very hyper aware of it and i used to be in a situation either with you or with other people and i would want to make them feel good Correct. so they liked me gotcha that's spider love because you are any anytime you get the word make mm-hmm. in there mm-hmm. you know you're in a spider love situation i am going to make them feel good about themselves so for instance maybe like when i when we were out in our 20s drinking and all that and you want to go home and i want to stay out you stayed out even though you didn't want to stay out. Yeah, I would be like, I'm going to make him think that I like to party as much as he does. Right, and, and nobody then he'll can like party me. as much as I do. So you're like in a league. You used to be yeah. in a league by yourself. No. I can't say you're in that league anymore. No, actually, I was just trying to keep up with my idiot friends. Well, then you were all in the league in your own we were boat a bunch of idiots. about to yes. sink somewhere. Yes. But I would make you think that way. Or you would do something that would make me upset and I would make you think I wasn't mad. Mm-hmm. 
And I would pretend. And that whole thing was in an effort. And again, this is going to sound crazy, but to manipulate you into thinking that I was a certain way. Can you think of any examples of um, you not telling me that you're mad at me, even though you were? Oh, gosh. Um, a lot. And guess what would end up happening? It would end up biting us in the butt Because a week soon. later, I'd get pissed and say, and you did this last week, too. And you'd say, what? And I'd say, you did this last Saturday. Yeah. You know, so it'd be the thing is, is when we pretend that we don't care about things and we're making someone think we're different than we are, that only hurts us and the relationship. Because I want to give the alternative. Okay. Real love is here is who I am, here's what I believe and think, and I love you and I want you to feel as free as I do. Hmm. Meaning, if you feel that you need to, um, you know, um, start a new job mm-hmm. because that's what's best for you. I love you and support you. If you feel that you need to um, have a break and go off and be by yourself, I love you and support you in doing that. I trust you and I love you. That's right. real love. And if I am challenged by what you're asking me to or what you're asking for, I'm going to tell you how I authentically feel. So I'll give you an example. Okay. Um, Kathy, the kids are driving me nuts. I just need to get away. I'm going camping for a week. Okay. Here's the thing, because we always, people always go to extremes with this, right? I would say, I understand that you need time away. I understand that you are exhausted and there's things going on and I love you and I want you to have some space. Going away for a week won't work for me. Because I have these, you know, responsibilities too. It will make our life difficult. Can we sit down and figure out something for you so you can get your break, but then I don't have to suffer mm-hmm. while you're gone? And you're saying that some people might be in the, um, what's the word, the sub, the inferior of the relationship will just, whatever it is, they will accommodate that person there's two extremes there's two spidery ways to go about this number one i'm gonna make you feel like oh that's no big deal and i can handle everything and pretend i don't care martyrdom martyrdom and then you're gonna leave and i'm gonna be pissed i'm gonna tell everybody how you don't do anything and how you leave and whatever or i'm just gonna suck it up and be mad at you inside and pretend i don't care that's spidery because you're still manipulating that person to thinking that something isn't the case right And then the second is, I'm going to make you feel guilty. Mm. I'm going to make you see why you're such a jerk. I'm going to make you, instead of listen, talk to that person, figure out a way where I can share what I'm feeling, you can share what you're feeling, and we can come to a middle ground. And see, what people will say to me, because I suggest these kind of things at retreats and stuff, and they'll say, well, you don't know my husband, and that would never work, and he would take advantage of me. But my question is, have you tried it that way? Because maybe it feels like it now with the way that things are. And this is not just about a man and woman or this is not just about partnership. This is about with kids too. Give me a kid example. Well, same thing. Making a kid feel guilty about, you know, a kid comes home and says, you know what? I've been doing soccer for three years. I'm ready to try something else. Well, we invested all this money into soccer and now you don't care and you're going to give up and you're a quitter. That is manipulating and making and controlling somebody because you, it's almost like you're your ability to condone what or not condone to endorse or embrace whatever they're doing is based on how you feel about right. it. Real love is saying, I see you as a separate human being who has different interests than I do. Right. And if you, you know, let's sit down and talk about giving up soccer because that's a huge deal. Right. Like, cause if the kid comes home all of a sudden has a bad practice and says, you right. know what, I'm done with this. 
that's not okay either. And that's the thing is whenever this – part of the reason I like this radio show on top of being a writer is because sometimes when you write things, it's hard to give – every case scenario like i'll say something like don't be spidery don't manipulate and people will be like well what if my kid wants to quit and they just want to quit school and they want to like you know and they give these like extreme examples where of course there's a balance in there because remember part of real love is also being your real self and saying here's why this could be challenging we just invested all this money we just you know did all these things but let's talk about why you want to quit and hear them out Mm-hmm. And be, they may be like, I'm done. And it's just, I want to be in theater. I want to do something else. And can you then embrace that and love them for that? Or if they say, because I had a bad practice, you know, my coach is bad. Okay, well, let's figure out a way to work within that rather than go straight to guilt. Well, we have an example of that in our household. Which is? JC uh, took up the viola. Viola. You I call always it, call it I call it a viola. viola. I know. Sweetie, the, the ones who really understand the instrument call it a viola viola. those who don't understand it quite as well call it a viola anyways there was there was just a seinfeld that i watched the other day and it was um when george is dating that girl who enunciates words like like over enunciates yeah um she just enunciates them in a different way and she just is annoying to him because do you remember that one i don't remember it but it sounds like a very typical Seinfeld. and he breaks up with her because of it of course okay go ahead remember the one where he breaks up with her the way she eats her peas no oh one by one that was jerry though this was george okay um JC took up the viola, uh-huh. and after a month or so, she's like, you know what? This kind of stinks. I want to... Play the cello. Play the cello. Mm-hmm. So, actually, this was more the, the school. The teacher did a good job with this, because we said, hey, is it, is it too late for JC to change instruments? Mm-hmm. And she said, no, it's not too late, but she's going to have to finish her session. Through spring. Through the spring. Have to take cello lessons all she'd have to catch up over the summer all summer and then start next fall right so, so it was in the realm of possibility right but it entailed a certain amount of um, work on work. her behalf right to do it and and that you and i were like that's a you're right that's a perfect example because when she came home and said you know i think i want to play the cello she's in fourth grade that's the whole point of now mm-hmm. is to try different things and to figure out you the way that you figure out what you want is by doing other things that you may not want right you know understanding the difference between what you want and what you don't exactly want. So I was like, sure, we can talk about this. And like you said, I emailed her teacher just so I could get the information. Mm -hmm. And I stand by what her teacher says. You know, I said, this is what the rule is. And but if this summer you want to do cello, heck, you know, orchestra is orchestra. And I think so far, I think she ended up falling back in love with the viola. Don't you? I think she she hasn't mentioned it. I don't think she's going to switch. So, but what's important about that? The real love point is the um, not. Not just allowing our kids to do whatever they want on a whim, Mm. but having the conversation and trusting them and respecting them rather than heading straight to guilt and fear. Mm. Because that is manipulative. That is spidery. Mm. That is... Um, I'm not even going to, you know, people will, parents will even say, I'm not even going to talk to you about that. Mm-hmm. Well, what's that all about? Well, you know? and then the opposite of that is, you know, some parents might be like, well, I love my child and I want her to do whatever she wants. So the day that JC comes home, she says, I want to do the cello. All of a sudden you jump ship and you do whatever you have to do to force it to say, no, she's turning, she's getting right. the cello right now. This is my daughter. Right. You know, and that's a mess. Overpowering parents is the other side of that, you right. know, trying to 
change the world around their child right instead of trying to work within a certain norm system right a system yeah and and that's the thing is is we have to think about what when we're taking action to support our child we have to think about what we're teaching them within that situation if number one i want jc to feel heard and that she can come to us with anything and that we're going to at least listen and weigh the possibilities and then I go to the authority in this situation and get the information from that person and then give JC options within the realm right. of, when I'm saying authority, the person who's in charge of band right. or what else orchestra. Are we do? Right. Yeah, it's not like I can go in and if I'm, if my belief system is I can override that, I'm teaching JC to not respect authority. Right. So there is a, you know, there's a lot of different lessons in the steps we take. And if we say, well, I'm advocating for my child, part of advocating for them is teaching them how to work within a system effectively right. and kindly. Right. So, you know, everything, hopefully people listening to the show know that we're balanced about these things. There is no extreme or there is extreme, but we try not to go in that realm. Well, <clears throat> unfortunately for us, I think we like to talk a lot about, um, Examples that we have good endings to them. Okay. And I think that sometimes, and I know I bring this up and sometimes you get mad, but um, I feel like sometimes that it gets annoying that we always kind of like, oh, didn't we do this right? Like, I want to talk I... about an example of something we're struggling with. Okay. <laughs> I, you always say this. I do. The thing is, is the examples we use, Todd, are situations where we were struggling mm-hmm. and we happened to not make it perfect, we came to a place of acceptance with it. Right. Acceptance does not mean we did it all right. I mean, you know, plenty of the situations that we've talked about with the girls where we forgot something or didn't do something well, it's not like then we wrap it up with a, a nice bow. We kind of worked through with them or with us a way that we can embrace it and say that was a learning experience and let's move forward. But that's acceptance, not didn't we do this perfect. Right. Because if something was still open, like an open wound out there, I I can't function when things are like that. Right. And that doesn't mean then I make it i fix it that day but we would still be working on it and therefore would have no story to tell right all right we can't tell a story until we've reached some not conclusion like it's over forever but some form of acceptance in ourselves otherwise what will we be teaching well otherwise here's what something i know for sure for about me as a writer i can't write about something till i have my arms around it Mm -hmm. if i am in the midst of it I don't even know what to say right. because I don't know what I'm talking about. Right. And when I can write about something, it's like the you know something really grand here. Like when I wrote about having a miscarriage right. and I wrote about that twice. I've never gotten my arms around it where I've been like, oh, now I understand it. Got it. Done. It makes sense. It's right. It's wrong. I don't really understand it, but I've accepted it. Right. So now I can talk about it. Right. And it's the same thing with anything going on with our kids. When we're in the middle of it, it's too... What's raw. that word? It's too raw. Right. And so you... And what would we say on the show? Because we wouldn't be... Yeah. And unfortunately, I'm having a good day today. So I'm sure I'm struggling with a bunch of stuff, but I can't think of anything. Well, and that's... in instead of saying that that's like a bad thing, your focus is on what's working. Right. And that... Well, sure, you focus on grows. You exactly. know that. Exactly. And what we... Um, of course, we. if you and I wanted to sit down and write a list of things that we're challenged by, we'd have no problem with that, but I don't choose to live my days like that. Right. And isn't that what we're trying to... Emulate? Talk about on this show. Right. Is you always have a choice of what you focus on. All right. But it doesn't keep things from happening to you. Yeah, because we're going to get uh, thrown a curveball here every day. 
Everybody does. Right. And that and the thing but the curveball is only as challenging as we decide to make it. Meaning curveballs come all the time and we can either focus on the curveball and be like, Can you believe that happened? Mm-hmm. Can you believe and now what am I gonna do about this? How do I keep this from ever happening again? Right. Or do we just kind of roll with it and flow and be fluid and move to the next thing that's probably wonderful? Mm-hmm. And where do we put our energy, you know? That's right. So in answer to your question, I don't think people... Maybe they are. Maybe they're annoyed, but... Well, maybe the ones who get annoyed don't listen anymore. So we're talking to people <laughs> who don't listen anyways. Exactly. Um, do you want to talk any more about real love, or are you good? Well, I think that's good. You know what I will say is that um, I wrote a blog this week, uh, or last week, actually, end of last week, um, called Trusting Our Kids as They Cross the Street. And I wrote it about a, a little boy that I would watch cross the street, and I watched how his dad interacted with him. And what I loved about the interaction was he completely trusted his son to, you know, to go across the street by himself, to walk into school by himself, to really take ownership of his own being. Mm -hmm. And what the dad did is he stood back and watched. And if the son turned around, the dad would wave and Mm -hmm. say, hey, here I am, and give him the biggest smile I've ever seen. But he had complete, it appeared that he had complete confidence in his son. And I don't think we have any idea how far that goes with his son. Mm. Because I think, you know, the other quote that I put in the blog is, when we are scared, we are scary. And when we are calm, we are calming. And I don't think we take enough um, ownership Ownership. of that. We walk around being afraid for our kids and they feel it. Mm -hmm. And we say, no, I'm going to walk you in there or I am going to um, be right next to you when you do this. And maybe that's not in their highest good. Mm -hmm. Well, and I think a lot of times as parents have a resistance to letting them move forward because the more the every day they... Every day that goes by, they're a little bit more independent. Yes, as they should be, right? For the most part. And I think a lot of the times, it's not the kid's problem. It's our problem. Is our inability to let them walk themselves all the way up to the door when they're in kindergarten or first grade or right. whatever. Well, we were just talking to Mark, our friend, about this. And then it goes to, you know, like when they're in sixth grade and all of a sudden they want to have a, a weekend with the girls and their dad or whatever. Mm-hmm. And all of a sudden that's kind of a big deal. And then, you know, high school, it's a different. Like there's a wrestling tournament. You know, it's like the you got to let, let the leash go yeah. a little bit more, a little yeah. bit more. So I think um, a lot of the times it's about our ability to let things go. But once again, it's... The balance in between well, the two. And here's the spider real love thing. Freeing someone is love. Mm-hmm. That doesn't mean putting them in a situation that's dangerous. and that, But the, giving them the freedom to learn more about themselves, to experience new things, to maybe stop doing viola mm-hmm. if they feel that frees them. You know, we have to give them that freedom rather than hold on tight and tell them who the, to be and, and say we're going to make our children into right. something. Because they are not projects. They are human beings. And they our job is to love them in a real way and not a spidery, manipulative way. Right. But at the same time, love them in a way that makes us feel like we're, that there's the safety and the boundaries and the structure. It's right. the balance between the two. And I'm not saying it's easy. Mm-hmm. That. Well, and I, we talk about safety a lot. Like, you can never 100% guarantee that anybody is ever going to be 100% no, safe. No, it's impossible. It's impossible. But that doesn't mean that you don't lock your doors at night. Exactly. Stuff like that. It's the balance between the two. You're not an idiot, but at the same time, you can't 
you know, build a moat around your house no. to make sure a moat. I don't even know why that would help. A moat because then be people would have to take the bridge. Yeah. We might have a dragon there. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> so it's just a balance. Well, you know what I saw in someone's car the other day? I can't remember what it's called. It's that thing that we all had when we lived in Chicago on our we- our, our steering wheels, and you would lock it. It was in swingers, oh, too. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. The, uh, I don't know. I, what I know was that called? Have- it's people like listening. The jackknife or whatever it's called. It was in everybody had them and you put them on your steering steering wheel and lock it so no one could, you know, steal your car. And I end, I never ended up getting one, but I always thought I should. Mm. It wasn't like I was trying to be too cool. I just was probably too poor, mm. you know, to buy one. But it was just that, you know, we had that time where we were everyone was afraid that their car was going to get stolen and <clears> nobody <throat> has them anymore. But I saw some I think those were really them. easy to steal anyways cuz I think the robbers all they did was they took big wire cutters and just cut right and into cut the it. steering wheel itself and then just oh. yeah, they just put they just sliced a little 1 inch thick thing off the steering wheel and then they would that that club they jimmy thing. it off the club. Is that what it is? It was the called club. the club. It came out. You had it in your subconscious. I had it. The club. Um, yeah, and so, yeah, so anyway, that, that was just, you know, moat to the club. <clears throat> so we want to talk about um, Tree of Life. That's right. Um, get your power cranked down over with Dr. Kelly, CairoTree.com, 630-941-8733. Um, a limited offer to Zen Parenting listeners. Um, first visit's free, plus a 20-minute massage. And the first visit includes uh, an exam, x-rays, and reports uh, from Dr. Kelly. So yes. give her a call, 630-941-8733. Okay. So are we going to switch topics? Yeah. Well, do you feel like you, if someone asked you what spider love versus real love is, do you think you spider could? Love is, spider love is scary and real love is better. <laughs> I okay. got it. Okay, got it. Let's got move it. on. So another one of our listeners, and I love this lady, even though I don't know her, Maureen Fox, because we well, gave, she gave us her the, the towel thing, yeah. So she wants to know what our opinion is on the idea of talking to children as little adults. Specifically, um, she, you know, like there's these things called one, two, three magic and the happiest toddler on the block videos. Now, I don't, I've never watched any of this stuff, but I think I can explain what one, two, three magic is. Well, before you do that, are you saying that the concept of little adults were in this, these books? Is that why no, you're connecting those? I think those? Maureen is saying we should talk to our kids as little adults instead of little kids. I know, but why kids. are these books being brought up is my question. Because it's the opposite. One, two, three magic. Right. And that's what I'm saying is that those books don't do that. Correct. Okay, cool. I just okay. wanted to have some clarity of yeah. why we're bringing those books so, in. So in one, two, three magic, let's say your kid's um, whatever talking back to you and you say that's one. Right. And then if she keeps talking back, that's, that's two. two. Oh, I see people do it all and the time. And then talks back again, that's three. Now you're in a timeout. Right. And then I don't know what this happiest toddler on the block. We had is. happiest baby on the block, so but I don't remember happiest toddler. Basically, I didn't it's get it. talking to Harvey Carp. That's a guy. Remember, yeah. I was trying to come up with his I name. I do. Okay, I'll, it's all coming. Now. So the bottom line is, you talk to your children as if they are, I don't know, little toys or something. Little toys, know. little children. And I think what Maureen is saying is, you know, talk to your children as little adults. Well, she wants to know how we feel about it, I'm, right? I agree with Maureen. Well, here's the thing, the. Todd brought this up to me right before we started the show, and I think the thing that gets in people's way is the concept of talking to children as little adults, Mm -hmm. because I think that throws people off and makes um, them think that we're trying to treat children exactly like an adult, Mm -hmm. and I don't think that's true. So in that way, I don't like that language, but I think the idea, just kind of going back to the real love thing, the, the idea of a child is regardless of their age, you respect who they are. So instead of like the, I have no problem with one, two, three magic in, 
on the most basic way, meaning... Well, they have to be pretty young. It's not like you're doing one, two, three magic when they're five, No, right? no. You're, when they're very young, all it is is to kind of shift their attention and to help them focus on what consequence and my words, you know, instead of having to do some big rationalization, which a two-year-old is not going to listen to you, right. it helps them, you know, get their get attention fast and to, um, what am I trying to say, Deal with the behavior quickly. Right. Okay. And it worked with the girls sometimes when I would count to three. I didn't necessarily I do it. I don't remember ex- doing that. I, I didn't that much, but we used it when I worked at Children's Memorial. We used one, two, three a lot. So I did bring that home. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, it wasn't my only tool, but every once in a while it was effective. Don't you think tone is as important as anything? Because I think a lot of times people, adults, talk to little kids and all of a sudden their, their voice goes up and they start talking baby talk and stuff. Mm-hmm. And I don't know. I don't know if that's necessarily an argument for me against it other than that it's just really annoying yeah you know what i mean i do i do i like we've had people in our lives that have done that that talk their children like babies Hi, Sky. <laughs> i know well mm. and and the thing is is i think that there are two things number one there's a natural instinct to talk to a young child with a really high-pitched voice because it kind of takes us back mm-hmm. like it almost people don't even know they're doing it right like you'll be talking to one child one way and then you'll talk to the baby like this mm-hmm. and so there it's some somewhat of a natural instinct and i think it is because we know around little babies we have to have a different calmer tone of voice right but i also think that there are times when we can talk to young children even three four five and up in a way that's very literal mm-hmm. like you know honey i hear you but right now we're gonna do this right. and we don't have to be like honey mm-hmm. you know what we're gonna do now i think it it, it might just be annoying o- no i think there's an inauthenticity yeah. to um the tone the way the words and all that mm-hmm. so um, so so I can kind of see both sides. I only see the one side. We're right and Maureen's right. <laughs> okay. 10 minutes ago you were talking about how we shouldn't how we should be wrong more often and now you're saying that yeah, we're not. Yeah, but wrong. not when I'm talking. <laughs> only when you're talking. <laughs> okay. So I um the bottom line is the thing that I would say about this whole concept is that I just believe even little little babies baby, you know, infants that you're bringing home, you respect them and you talk to them in a way where you respect their humanity. Like I remember the Baby Whisperer book. One of the things I loved about her book was when you bring the baby home, you walk the baby around to all the rooms and you say, this is the kitchen. This is going to be your bedroom. This is the family room. And a lot of people would say, oh my gosh, that's crazy. That's an infant. Yeah. I believe energetically that that makes a huge impact yeah, on that something, child. Something's getting in there. They're even they're not necessarily understanding your words. They are understanding the feeling behind your words that there's a sense of safety in every room that they belong in that home and that you've been waiting for them. Right. And now you're introducing them to everything and and literalists they, that doesn't mean anything to right. them. But if you kind of live in the world of energy a little more, where you understand the way things feel is just as important as the way things sound, um, I think that's a huge influential thing. And I think it's the same thing with toddlers and, and on up. Well, and I don't even know if scientists have an idea of exactly what the brain is capable of at these younger age. But mm-hmm. it seems like every year I hear of a new story about how they're getting a lot more than we thought they got exactly. a few years ago. Thank you. Yes. So Where there was a time when, like, my mom gave me a bunch of the baby books from, like, her maybe when even she was a baby like they're really old baby books and the things that they say about babies you Mm -hmm. know like don't um 
you know, don't go to them, don't pick them up, you'll spoil them. Um, you don't, know, don't tickle them or they'll stutter. That's what my grandma used to say. I don't know. tickle the kids or they'll stutter. Like, who's the scientist that came up with that one? <laughs> And you know what I loved about that is I kind of thought that grandma, my grandma has since passed away, but I kind of thought she knew it was silly, but she liked to say it to us. Mm -hmm. She would pretend she was serious, Mm -hmm. but she always had that sense. I don't know. I think she might have been serious. Do you think so? I mean, I guess we'll never know, but I have a feeling she really, I I think she really learned it. Yes. So do I. But I I think when she was saying it to us, it was more rote. And not literal. Speaking of old old people having these whacked out ideas. Okay. Not when I was in, in grade school, because I went to a Catholic grade school, but like the teachers that I had when they were in grade school, they would, if they were left-handed, they would get whacked on the hand oh, with the I ruler know. to get them to be a right hand. That's because it was the devil's Because work. the devil. <laughs> what is that all about? That's an that old That should be in my system. tournament and bat. I know. I know. What does that mean? I know. Kid picks up a pen with his left hand and all of a sudden the devil's talking to him. I know. Somebody's got to help me with that. Well, and that's the thing is when we get stuck in in dogma or in belief systems that are based in fear. Um, and when we, and again, you know, we evolve, we learn. I, to go back in time and say those people are awful is not fair because that's what they were taught. Um, but now we've evolved since then. But anytime we're believing something that just doesn't seem right, commonsensical, um, so I think what we are some, question it. What are some of the ideas that we think are right right now that in 60 years from now they're going to say, those people from 2013 are whacked? Well, one thing that I, two things that I can come up with off the top of wow. my head. All right. Number one is the idea that every all the crap they put into food isn't affecting us. Okay. People who say, oh, no, that's safe. Mm-hmm. Um, even though that was made with, you know, aluminum and that was made with this kind of fluid and that was made with all these red dyes and blue dyes that are um, banned in other countries. Oh, yeah, it's safe for you. Mm. That's I believe that in 10 to 20, 30 years, they're going to be like, oh, my God, right. what those people were eating. I can't believe what they ate. Number two, I think the thing about media and TV and the idea that TV, and this is already coming to be, but there was a time when I started at the Parent Coaching Institute um, and where is where I went to school to become a parent coach in Seattle uh, Pacific University. And Gloria DeGatano, who started the PCI, one of the classes, it was course two, and it was all about me- the effects of media. Right. And at the time, no one was talking about this. And this was, I first heard it through her. Like, you and I were even doing baby Einstein tapes and thinking that we were, like, helping our child's brain grow. And Gloria was the first one who taught me that, you know, the media, the TV screen technology affects the way a baby's brain grows mm-hmm. and children there on up and screen technology meaning tv computer video games you know all of that see what uh, i think about that is you know back in the 40s or whatever they told they told you smoking wasn't bad for you that's exactly but there's what a part about. of me that thinks that even they even though they said that they knew that it was bad it, they right. knew that it had to be bad for you right Whereas this seems well, a little bit more believable. Well, here's the thing about cigarettes. I think that cigarettes used to be tobacco. Mm-hmm. And so tobacco was grown from the ground. Mm-hmm. And, you know, and maybe it had some of its, its um, what's the word I'm looking for? You would get addicted to it. Right. Maybe it had that quality. But the way cigarettes are made now, yeah, the garbage. stuff that's in them is all chemical. So yeah. it's not even pure tobacco anymore. Mm-hmm. So that's what happened to our food. Right. Our food was initially food from the ground or wherever, and then we figured out ways to make it cheaper and faster, and it's become complete chemically processed food, and we're saying, oh, no, it doesn't affect us. Like, I was just reading a list of of foods that are still on the market. Like, 
Alestra. Do you remember the whole Alestra thing? Are those the fat-free ruffles you're talking yeah, about? Yeah, the fat-free Alestra thing where it'd say, like, sorry, you'll eat this and get diarrhea, but that's okay. Right. You're going to be fine. Yeah. At least they're fat-free. And the fact that Alestra's still out there, and there's that's still in food, and we accept that as being normal. Mm-hmm. And we say, oh, no, that doesn't hurt us. That's not what, what contributes to cancer. I'm not saying it's the only thing, but it's hard for me to believe that ingesting all those chemicals doesn't... How can we think that doesn't hurt us? You know? No, you're probably right. I still think the left-hand devil thing is the craziest thing of the bunch. Well, and what your point was is what are they going to look back yeah, on? Yeah, no, no, no. You, you, you know? came up with pretty good ideas there. Yeah, I so don't have any. You don't have any, huh? No. Nothing? No. Nothing. Empty. Empty what, space <laughs> up here. Nothing going on. What about the thing how our thumbs are going to grow because of video games? Well, now that we have the Wii, we don't need to press all the little buttons. So our thumbs are going to go back to normal. Yeah, they're going to they're, they're, they're they're shrink back mine up. Mine shrunk a half inch since I started the Wii. Oh, really? No. No. Just making that up. I know you are. Um, okay, our last partner? Avid Company, 630 I was with Jeremy. He's the owner two days ago, and he's doing uh, really great, and it's January, February, which is typically a bad time of the year yeah. for contractors. Just tells you that this guy runs a successful business, and if you want to get involved and have him do some awesome work for you, give him a call six three zero nine five six eighteen hundred. We even put him on our newsletter last week. He, we put a picture of of him with his wife Kate and their son Connor, and they're just a really nice family. So, I mean, and I know that's not always the reason we choose people; it just is a bonus. Yeah. Um, as far as he's just a nice person. Six three zero nine five six eighteen hundred avidco.net. So, turn him in a bad. Okay, let's hear it. One might take a little bit longer, so I'll start out with that one. Okay. Um, it's on me again. I'm calling myself out okay. again. Okay, it's on me. All right. Um, I sometimes freak out because I think our girls should be in more activities if they're going to be experts at whatever field they end up being in. Okay, which is a crazy thought in itself because how do we know what field they're going to be in? Right, but I think of, you know, because I grew up in the sports world, be like, if you want to be a baseball player, you need to start when you're five and you need, like Ken Griffey Jr., he was in the pros when he was 18 or 19 and it's because he had a baseball bat in his head when he was two. Okay. I'm not telling you I'm right. No, no, I'm, I'm telling I'm you this stopped, is did my... Did you notice I stopped talking? This is my psychology. Right, I'm letting it's you... all screwed up. I'm freeing you. I'm not spidering you. Yeah, real love, not scary I'm trying to real... Love. I'm not trying to get you like a fly. So when there, like a weekend goes by and the girls are enjoying each other's company and, and really having quality family family time, the the egoic or the negative or the crazy part of my brain be like, these girls should out being should be in a dance thing right now. Oh or, my gosh. Yes. So it's my craziness. So where the tournament of bag comes in is I listened to some podcast and they interviewed both Fred Armisen and Kirsten Wig. Is oh, that her name? Uh, Kristen Wig. Right. And they are really funny people on Saturday Night Live. Fred's still on there. Kristen is gone. Yeah, she's doing other stuff. They didn't start making people laugh or even going into that field until they were like 17 or 18 years old. I know. And I'm freaking out about my five-year-old not wanting to play soccer as much as she should or as or as I think she might want to or something like that. So you can be an expert and start late. Well, and it's the definition of what makes an expert. Like what makes someone really good at something is having a well-rounded approach where they can see many different, they have developed many different skills mm-hmm. that then, because I, I think that one of them, Fred Armisen or Kristen Wiig talked about how they developed skills in all these different areas, mm-hmm. which they then brought to comedy, right. which in turn made them successful. Right. Where if their parents would have put them in a second city program when they were in kindergarten and they would have been focusing on the skill like mm-hmm. a trade, right. they would have never had anything real world to bring to it. And and I think that um, the thing, if, if you, I don't know if you want my two cents on this, Please. but 
my two cents to you is the reason you're like that with the girls is you haven't dealt with it in yourself. That's right. Is you can't sit. I never got to be a shortstop for the White Sox. That's part of it. That's part of it. You never I'm know, still though. I'm still trying to work with the White Sox in some way, and I want I'm doing that because I want to you... be able to play shortstop. No, okay. I'm doing that because I would like you to have the ability to go to whatever games you want and yeah, you know my you my intention is I would love for that to happen. Why don't you make that happen soon? Okay, well I've had white socks on my vision board now for how many years? Quite a few. And I did get in touch you know, we do have those stories of I did get in touch with some people and I did talk to their manager. You got in touch with the marketing the director. The marketing director. So we made progress it just but it's out there in the universe. You can't rush things. That's right. Anyway, my point in saying this is the reason you feel that way is because you struggle with that in yourself. And therefore, that spills over onto them. Right. Where when, I think you're probably talking about today as your example, is when I hear the kids in the family room, and I actually said to them, they were playing a game that was so crazy and nuts. I looked at you and I said, you know you have to be really bored mm-hmm. to start this game up. And But I meant that in a good way, meaning when kids don't get the opportunity to be bored, they don't use their imagination, they don't search for ways to fulfill there themselves. There was no structure what they were doing this and afternoon. And they were having a ball. Yeah. And that is so good for them. And we get so uncomfortable when our kids are bored and we don't allow... And I am guilty as charged. Yeah. Well, and you're, you, it's like it's not bad or good, meaning sometimes it's good when you say, let's go do something as a family. And I'm kind of like, Ugh, I'd just rather hang out here. But then we get out and it's fun. Mm-hmm. Like, I, you know, when we went to Oak Park on the train a couple mm-hmm. weeks ago, that was a blast. Um, but it's got to be balanced. If every Saturday and Sunday you're like, we got to get out, I don't agree with that. Right. We got to sit and hang out. And I actually cooked today. Did you have you commented on that? Well done. Thank you. I Chili cooked. and guacamole. And to have time to do that and to listen to the radio and and not be in a rush. And they benefit from that too. Right. We've got to teach our kids about downtime by practicing downtime. Right. So. I hear you, what you're saying, and what you're saying is you don't really believe that in the bottom of your heart because this... No, not from the bottom of my heart. Right. My brain... Your brain. ...gets in the way. Yeah. And I think all of us feel that way at times. So my other tournament bad, and I don't know if I'll be able to explain this, but once again, it has to do with the grocery store. Okay. When you're at the grocery store, you're kind of in your own world, right? Right. You're kind of like, unless you're with your kids, but just pretend you don't have kids with you. Right. And then all of a sudden, you see somebody that you kind of know... And you kind of have this kind of weird, uncomfortable conversation with them. And they yeah. say, okay, bye. I'm going back shopping. I, I know what you're going to say. And then you Run see them again. <laughs> and you don't know whether or not you, don't know whether or not you should have another like, acknowledge each other. Or like, oh, I see you again. And then if it happens a third time, then it's like the third time is almost easier because then it's there ridiculous. You are. <laughs> again. Isn't it the most awkward thing? You know, it is. It's funny that you say that because it can be a grocery store or it can be anywhere. Right. You know, like you're walking but around. But the grocery Target. store has the aisles. Yeah. <laughs> I, know. I mean, anything that has aisles. Yes. Because for whatever reason, like I came from this side. They came from that side, and we keep crossing each other somehow. I know. Like if I was looking for this person, I wouldn't see them as often <laughs> as I did accidentally. It's just weird. That happened to me oh this week. Oh my gosh, that's so funny. Um, and it reminds me in a roundabout way of your story of being in the elevator with your friend when you said goodbye. Oh, I won't be able to <laughs> give that story justice, but um, maybe one day I will, okay. I will be able to say but that But just story. where you had already said goodbyes and then you had to keep riding up the elevator yeah. and how it's like uncomfortable because right. you've already said goodbye. Right. Um, but yes. So yes, I agree with that one. That I think that's a very common... There should be a book of things like that where they're just human things that we all experience well, that'll be my book tournament and bad there you go honey i'm writing my book as we speak there it is i'm sure it'll win a pulitzer it, do, do pulitzers uh, get 
Pulitzer is I that? I think that's for newspaper articles. I don't isn't know. It? I think so. I, I don't, don't have those awards down. Yeah. First step: Google Pulitzer and find out what it's all about. That is a funny. Um, we gotta come up with a title for that. Um, awkward grocery run-ins. Not, but not. That's just an example of one of those human things that happens where it's also. There's other things like that that everyone has experienced. I mean, you know, comedians make a living off that kind of stuff. I know, I know. You know, that's the gift of certain comedians. They they witness those things. Um, so closing up, we are. You get your retreat. Yeah. Sign, Sign up, up for it. my retreat, KathyCAdams.com, and please email me if you have questions about it. But if you are experiencing anxiety in your home, like your children are just really struggling, um, I think this might at least jumpstart your ability to um, take some real action. And your two books, Self-Aware Parent. And the Self-Aware Parent 2. Part 1, uh, Part 2. $20 on my website. And they're short stories about how you learned about yourself through parenting. And it goes on and on and on. It doesn't end. That's right. I'm still learning every day. So um, thank you very much for listening. Share our podcast. Like us on Facebook. And review us on iTunes if you get an opportunity. And uh, we'll hear from you next week. Okay. Actually, they'll hear from us next week. And maybe we'll hear from each other. Adios. Okay. Have a good week.